Today's Cox Conversation is brought to you by Doers. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, a Daily Beast half-full editor. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Weigrich. How are you? Hey, Noah. How are you? Feeling pretty good. Um, Likewise. Winter is here. We have uh, chosen to fortify ourselves with a little bit of whiskey to keep warm as we're uh, talking and to uh, wet our palates. And by whiskey, you mean scotch whiskey. (laughs) Yes, I do. All right. Well, I'm going to wet my palate right now. Hold on. Yes, cheers. Mm. Mm. Ah. Oh, All that right. is an outdoors whiskey there. Oh, yeah. And I would suggest uh, our listeners, too, if uh, you want to pause this, run yeah. to the liquor cabinet or uh, the bar cart and grab yourself a few fingers of scotch. Please do. We'll wait for you. No, um, we won't. <laughs> I mean, proverbially. Proverbially. Um, okay. You can pause it and we'll, be, we'll still be here. Yep. It is definitely whiskey drinking weather these days, especially in the Northeast. Um, I was in California. Less so um, recently, <laughs> um, but definitely in Northeast Midwest, we have entered the season of scotch and ski jackets, hats and mittens. I so, mean, those uh, those are things that really go together. I, I The first time I really, truly appreciated that, I was in Scotland in October, and uh, we were bobbing around off the coast in a little inflatable boat <laughs> with the wind blowing rain at us horizontally, and it was about 40 yeah. degrees. And boy, did that whiskey taste good. Yeah. That was what whiskey is made for. I yeah. Think, those exact yeah, occasions. Exactly. We both love scotch all year round, but mm-hmm. obviously when uh, the, the winter jackets come out, I'm definitely reaching for a few fingers of uh, scotch or a flask. Uh, well, you know, uh, also when I'm on in a window seat on a transcontinental <laughs> plane and it starts to get about 50 degrees right. on the wall there, that's when I uh, – yeah ring my little bell and get a double scotch yeah, on the rocks. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, today, you know, obviously we're talking about scotch. Even though scotch and whiskey has become so popular around the world in the U.S., it's definitely one of these things where I think there's still a lot of misunderstandings about it, a lot of half-truths, legends, myths, and, you know, I'm I'm all for uh, good stories, but mm-hmm. some of these things kind of stand in the way, I think, of people really enjoying their stuff. Yeah, there are inhibitions that shouldn't exist there. Absolutely. Maybe we'll just get rid of some of them immediately. That always bother me. The idea that, you know, you can't add ice or water to scotch, you know. Oh, please. <laughs> I think we can <laughs> yeah. officially call that one um, bullshit. It's not correct. You know, when you add a little bit of water, it opens up the mm-hmm. scotch. It releases some more flavors. Um and a good, I mean, a good scotch laughs at ice. You know, yeah. ice is not a problem. There's plenty no. of flavor there. It's concentrated, especially uh, if you're drinking malt whiskey. Malt whiskey is super concentrated. It's pot distilled, and pot distilled spirits are always uh, traditionally they were mixed with all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, because they can take it. Right. You'll still taste them just fine. And blended scotch was kind of designed to be, you know, mixed with highballs and you know exactly. all types of. I mean, it's. You know, I always think it's funny when people say like, you know, oh, I, can you can you tell me a whiskey that's not peaty and that's not too, you know, not too big. You right. Know? And I was like, well, most scotch, to be honest, is, is not peated. I mean, it's a yeah. fairly small amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that's another fallacy that all scotch is super peaty and lots of iodine. I mean, we do find that obviously um, on the west coast of Scotland, all the islands off of the yeah. coast. But for the most part, most scotch is not that way. And, you know, it's funny because – 
you know, what most drinkers describe to us when they're asking for recommendations, basically blended scotch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they don't want to, they don't right. want to actually go there because they think it's unfashionable. Right. And people are going to make fun of them. And I mean, nobody serious will make fun of you for drinking blended scotch. No. And, and I think the less people know, the more militant they are about the I think rules. You're right. Like, yeah. you know, I fought with my share of bartenders about, could you just add a few cubes of ice? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's my drink. I don't care. Like, you know, can you add a splash of club I soda? Mean, can we can we have a highball? Like, you know, is that okay? And I think finally we're getting to that point again where. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I always laugh personally when people say, you know, it's single malt. You can't put anything in that. <laughs> For the first 150 right. years of, or more of right. single malt making, it was made to be put into whiskey punch. And that was the exactly. only way they drank it is whiskey punch with uh, with with hot water and sugar and maybe some lemon peel right. in there. You Sounds know. good to me. It's delicious. It's yeah. it's still like your best bet on a cold winter night if you want to like sleep like a baby. I was going to say like nine months of the year in Scotland. That yeah. sounds about yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So, exactly. Um, you know, central heating, not really such a thing. Yeah, central punch. You know, that's all <laughs> yeah. we need. Yeah, that's all you need is, is a, a little punch brazier in every room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think also this idea, you know, there's a lot of myth and legend about the creation of scotch and this idea mm. that people in Scotland have been drinking and, in, you know, in America to a lesser degree, you know, single malt for hundreds of years, you know, that no. all of the Highlanders in their castles were, you know, you know, swirling, you know, single malt and discussing <laughs> the, the aromas yeah, and nah. the, the baking spices. Up until about 1750, which is pretty recent yeah. as far as the world goes, whiskey was almost always flavored by the distiller. Right. With you all know? types of herbs. All and herbs spices. and spices and anything yeah. to hide the stank flavor of the distillation, right. which right. they hadn't really quite perfected. Dewar's eight-year-old Caribbean smooth rum cask finish is an exciting new whiskey blend. It's the first in an innovative cask series from Dewar's. Caribbean smooth takes eight-year-old Dewar's whiskey and finishes it in Caribbean rum casks for a pleasantly unexpected smooth and tropical flavor. You know, what you're talking about is almost like the the, the prehistory yeah, of, exactly. of, of whiskey and you know, as we know it, I mean, in some ways, you know, we see that with a lot of spirits, you know, whether it's gin or vodka or, I mean, you yeah, know, they were, they were putting, very different. People are putting all types of things in mm. still to, to change the flavor. You know, even the, the more modern era, you know, the big three yeah. that we, you know, that are really, you know, the focus of most of the first bartending books are gin, cognac, and then rum, right? I mean, right. And, and, right. and you do see some rye maybe in America, but it's not. It's just not a big thing at the time. I mean, you know, people are obviously making it on their yeah. farms. They're and drinking, if they're drinking it, it. They're drinking it in Scotland. They're not right. drinking it in England. If right. it's exported, uh, and it was exported over here, but the only way that people drank uh, whiskey in America, malt whiskey, uh, back in the you know before the Civil War and really up to the 1880s, yeah. was in what they called hot scotch, which right. was. Uh, Single malt scotch right. right from the barrel because that's yeah. how it was shipped. Yeah. They, they didn't age it forever over there. They just they put right. it in a barrel and they sold it. Right. You know, well, like stupid. cognac. It was the yeah, same exactly. thing. I mean, it was that's, a commodity. Right. And and only through shipping did yeah. people kind of realize, oh, the barrel actually tastes better after it's mm-hmm. come across from, you know, Europe in a barrel or from yeah, and then, France to Holland even, you know. I mean, if you if a good re- a good wholesaler or a retailer bought it bought that barrel, they would sit, put it in their cellar right. and sit on it. Right, exactly. And uh, and then it might get some age, but usually 
you know, scotch was like a year or two old by the time people were drinking oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, and they were drinking it in hot toddies. They were drinking <laughs> it just to warm them up, which it's oh, yeah. great for. Yeah. And and we've done in a previous episode uh, one um, so aptly titled, I think, The Bastardization of the Hot Toddy. Yeah. When we were talking about the hot toddy back in the day, we're not yeah. talking about – you know, apple cider and every mace. And, no, 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 you know, no, no, uh, no, no, Star no. anise. No, it's, I mean, pretty straight up whiskey, yeah. hot water. Lemon peel, maybe. Lemon peel. No lemon juice, obviously. No. Yeah, that, and or, maybe a grating of nutmeg right. if you're really, really uh, fancy. kinky or fancy <laughs> and really just want to go nuts. But, I mean, it sounds like a really boring drink, but it's not a boring drink no. if you use a good, oh, good yeah. rich scotch, you know. What people forget is that the two real breakthrough moments for Scotch were, you know, Aeneas Coffey, who who creates the column still, mm-hmm. right? I mean, his yeah, it was I, certainly for for Britain, right? Yeah. And, and and you know, this this idea that traditionally single malt is made in a copper pot still, those sort of onion stills that you kind of imagine when you think of a still, and not a column still is a column, and there are multiple plates in it, and it, you know, every time it hits a plate, there's essentially a distillation, yeah. so it you know it sort of strips the whiskey a little bit. Obviously, if you go far enough, you can make vodka in it, you can make new grain spirit but for whiskey distillers very good you know because even starting in the beginning i mean he does he comes out with his idea for the column still in 1824 i think yeah something something like like that that. yeah learning from one of your stories the first design he was he's a plumber's son right yeah he designs the first column still out of well his father was a plumber so his father did it and they made it out of iron right which iron is not good for distilling whiskey maybe not the best (laughs) but no but, but it definitely somebody you know, somebody sprang for the good copper pipes at yeah, some point, and yeah. you know, obviously copper is like, much better. Dad, for I'm sorry, I'm using <laughs> copper now. <laughs> you know? Much better, much, much better. better. He's like, but it'll last longer than I. Yeah. Uh, began dentists, um, <laughs> but um, but even even then, like as now, most of the blenders owned most of the single malts, like, mm-hmm. and and they would combine the single malts from different distilleries and add this, you know, what's called grain whiskey. I mean, it's not. Too dissimilar from bourbon in America. I mean, it's you know, well, grain you, you know, and one of the myths, I guess, I guess it's a myth, is is that grain whiskey doesn't taste like anything. And in fact, it's, no, it's it's pretty flavorful on its own. <laughs> yeah. The only place uh, you you notice that it's light is if you're like mixing it with stuff, yeah. because then it fades quickly. But right. on its own, it's it's absolutely fine, well, and, and it gives a good nice. It's got some texture to it, and uh, I remember like when I was working on my first book, The Business of Spheres, which came out in. 2007, like I, I, you know, I thought about what is grain whiskey? Right. Like, can right. anybody, you know, nobody. It was I mean, really hard to get a hand, get your hands on it. Oh, and or even to talk about it. I mean, yeah. it's so long ago. I mean, it seems yeah. like another world, but people were like, well, it's grain whiskey. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, well, you're, you're kind of. <laughs> what, what is that? The, like, the single malt people kind of want you to think that grain whiskey is vodka. Right. Exactly. You know, and it's not. No, it's, it's whiskey. It's, it's light. It's but light it's, and it's like, delicious. And it's, you know. You know, it's like a light Canadian whiskey. It's, yeah. it's got flavor to it. And it's very, got some texture. Very pleasant. They age it in the same warehouses. Exactly. I mean, it's. It all has to be aged. Yeah. It's not thin. You know, it's it's only thin relatively. Right, exactly. And 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 it serves a purpose. I mean, kind of the idea also for single malt was, I mean, at least in the modern era, most yeah. people, it was never made to be drunk on its own, right? After like 18. No, I once mean. Once coffee still comes out, it's, and the blenders buy up the distilleries or build them, single malt is, 
you know, made to fit almost like a soloist, right. like in a symphony, right. but as part of a bigger song, right. not as right. not as its own act. I mean, in a way, you could say the modern uh, craze for single malts is kind of a perversion of the whole of the whole enterprise. Oh, yeah. You know, it's oh, like yeah. you're not supposed to drink that. No. You're supposed to mix it. You know, well, wait, oh, that's really smoky. Right. It's too smoky. <laughs> Guess what? You're right. not supposed right. to drink it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like you know, my mom would always yell at me for like you know picking stuff out of the cake batter, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, exactly. Uh, that's the batter. It's yeah, not baked. Yeah. It's not cake yet. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got. And it's kind of the same thing. Where only in the modern era, where whiskey, you know, so fell out of favor in the late seventies and eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. that the blenders were like, "Look, we have enough in our warehouses. Yeah. We're gonna like pause for a second. Single all distillers. Like, well, what do we do? We have one customer." <laughs> We right. sell all of our. I mean, with yeah, one yeah. or two exceptions. Yeah, our, our really. distillery isn't set up to like right, model like, things or like brand we, them. Like, or, we, how do we differentiate ourselves yeah, from like yeah. the guy next door or the guy down the block? Like, I don't know. So, I mean, this whole idea of. I mean, it was out of necessity. Oh, Angus and, goes into the office one right. day and says. Uh, Listen, listen, Bob. Right. Now we've got to buy bottles, right. and a lot of them, and a lot, a lot of, of them. them. Like we got to, we got to start moving this stuff yeah, to America. Yeah, we, we need to get some labels. I mean, you know, for they never had bottles, they never had labels. No, I mean, this they is never all new product. Shipping yep. it, and a lot of the distillers didn't make it. You know, some of them yeah. were mothballed and never opened again. Some of them opened again, and you know, this kind of craze for single malt. I mean, obviously, you know, we both enjoy drinking single malt, but mm-hmm. it is kind of funny because really. For the first, you know, 130, 40 years, give or take, it was all mm-hmm. about blends. You know, it's thanks to Fluxra that they caught on. I mean, we did a panel a couple of years ago down at Tales of the Cocktail mm-hmm. with some other whiskey luminaries like Dave Broom and oh, Luke I thought you were going to say Lunatics, which oh, kind well, of I mean, it's the same thing. Fine really. line, fine line. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Dr. Nick Morgan. So it's definitely a fine line about Alfred Bernard, who yeah. wrote kind of the first whiskey book, and it is one hell of a book. It's probably oh, it's a beautiful book too. Four inches thick. It's a beautiful book, and, and essentially, Fluxer is this terrible little affid we've talked about before, but it mm-hmm. eats its way across all of European vineyards, sort of destroys all these fields, mm-hmm. and it, you know it destroys the whole market for cognac and sherry and port, or at least really disrupts it. Yeah, I not, mean, not in the modern sense. The, of the French were, were buying potato spirit from Germany right. to blend in with the, what stocks they had <laughs> uh, left to make yeah. cognac. I mean, it's it's not, like, it oh, was really not good. No, it was terrible. And finally, a rootstock is found in Texas where they graft on all basically every vine mm-hmm. in Europe is grafted onto this rootstock that's immune to phylloxera. But while all of that's happening, again, remember that it's, you know, gin and cognac and port and sherry are mm-hmm. really popular. You know, it opens the door to Scotch and, you know, Alfred Bernard, who's, you know, based in London, goes up to Scotland because basically British people are really thirsty. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we we, we hear it like they make alcohol up there, but uh, we don't like, is it drinkable? I mean, like, is it know, good? Can you go the up Prince there? Prince of Wales used to drink <laughs> right. it at some point oh, yeah. oh, occasionally, yeah. you know. For sure. It, it was a novelty in England. Right. And it, but it's kind of like, you know, if there's some kind of drought on somebody like, yeah, yeah. hey, Dave, uh, can you go to Appalachia and, you know, see yeah. what's going on, like, you know, in those stills? Well, like, I mean, it's like during World War II. Let's go down to Mexico and see what right. this tequila stuff is drinking. Right, exactly. <laughs> and can they make us whiskey, which they did, you know. It's yeah. like, you know, all types of stuff. But yeah. it's – so he goes up there and he kind of says, mm-hmm. yeah, like this is – they're making some interesting stuff up you know, here and he goes to all the different distilleries mm-hmm. and that helps sort of popularize scotch and, you know, and, and all over the UK. And then obviously the UK's, you know, giant empire where the sun never set, right? You know, there scotch goes all around, blended scotch goes all around the world. You have 
people, you know, early pioneers like Tommy Dewar, who are yeah. sort of master marketers. Oh, my who, God. He traveled like everywhere. He traveled everywhere. You know, he created kind of like, you know, a whole gravitas in history I, I for mean, the. He must have bought a billion drinks also. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it took. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know it worked. Here, you know, try this. Try this. And his ads are amazing with, yeah. you know, the pyramids and he's on a camel, yeah. with, you know, a bottle. And, yeah. You know, the marketing today in spirit is kind of funny because it echoes all the way back to the mm -hmm. beginning of Scotch and this whole kind of almost invented history that they had right. to create to get people to drink it, you know, to give it a try. And, and then once they did it, it obviously caught on like wildfire. So oh, yeah. that's a long answer to I'm not sure what myth, but basically to say that the myth is that this idea that, you know, a thousand years ago, you know, the Highlanders were sitting around drinking single malt. Right. Is, no, no, they weren't. And, and this kind of fake reverence that yeah. you find really only in America, maybe some European countries, is not usually shared in Scotland. Dewar's eight-year-old Caribbean smooth rum cask finish is an exciting new whiskey blend. It's the first in an innovative cask series from Dewar's. Caribbean smooth takes eight-year-old Dewar's whiskey and finishes it in Caribbean rum casks for a pleasantly unexpected smooth and tropical flavor. In Italy, they uh, always drank very young malt. Oh, yeah. Like you know, they six, eight like, years old. Five, yeah, five, five, so, five to seven, yeah. five to eight. Yeah. You know, that was always there. And, you know, you from from the American, like, kind of consumer point of view, that's like, oh, my God, why are you doing that? Well, it's like, you know, they'd put it with a little soda, yeah. and it's like, oh, that's got some richness And that actually it. is the perfect segue, Dave, yeah. um, into another myth that people often have is this idea that older whiskey yeah. and more expensive whiskey is better, right? Like, you know, you hear about some crazy 50-year-old, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. Mm. It's like people are like, oh, you tried that. Like, how was it? I'm like, it was okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, there's there's this great book, uh, kind of uh, the the first, uh, I guess, connoisseur book on whiskey. Sure. Like like Barnard was the first guy who went right. up to look at the distilleries. This book, uh, Whiskey by Aeneas MacDonald oh, yeah. in 1930, and he he like talked to everybody. He was a Scottish journalist. It wasn't his real name. Uh, I can't remember what that was, but he uh, he he talked to a lot of industry people. Yeah. He was well connected. And the consensus was that over 12 years, whiskey starts to go downhill. <laughs> you, you know? well, and even, even when you and I started writing about yeah. this 20 years ago or yeah. so, I remember a lot of the distillers who are still working today mm -hmm. all over the whiskey industry in America and Scotland, you'd ask them, how old should whiskey be? Right. And, you know, it's a legitimate question, especially back then when I knew a lot less about whiskey and you know, it wasn't as commonplace. And, you know, they would say things like, oh, like 8, 10, 12 years right. is perfect because right. that way you can actually taste the whiskey. You can taste the distillers. It's not just work. the barrel. Right. Because the barrel, like all whiskey comes off the still perfectly clear, right? Mm -hmm. They call it in America the white dog. In Scotland, they call it the creature, the creature, mm -hmm. you know, which <laughs> I love. And, you know, again, like the white dog is or the creature is kind of like – dough, right? It's not yeah. the finished yeah. product. I no. remember being a distiller. I love the white dog. The distiller looked like I had punched him in the gut. <laughs> he was like, ah, like, yeah. nobody likes that. Yeah. Like the whiskey's much stop, better. Stop picking the chocolate chips right. out exactly. of the cookie like, dough. I no. didn't have the heart to tell that I like the white dog. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Whatever. But, but the idea is that the distiller's work is the white dog. It's the spirit, the flavor that's inherent in the spirit. All the color comes from the barrel. And depending upon who you ask, Somewhere around 60, 70, 80% of the flavor also comes from the barrel. And obviously, the longer it sits, 
more of the flavor right. from the barrel, you know. You know, and eventually the it. the wood, uh, depending on the kind of barrels you use, right? Uh, uh, whether they're used and and have already had a lot of their compounds extracted, exactly. Or not. I mean, the wood will come and overwhelm the whiskey. Yeah, you see that with a lot of rums too, yeah. because the Caribbean climate is hot. You want to put like <laughs> those 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 high numbers on your yeah. label for marketing purposes. Often the rum inside is going I mean, to taste like like licking a drawer. I, it takes longer in Scotland. We could do, you know, if I could pour you three or four samples, mm-hmm. you know, blind, and it would be very hard for anybody to tell whether they were rum, American whiskey, or Scotch. Oh, it's you know, true. Because at, it, because at a certain point. Right, because yeah. they, they, you know, these sort of very old, mm-hmm. whatever they are, it's the wood. That's yeah. what you're tasting. Yeah. And, and, and when it's... When it goes bad, it goes bad. I mean, I it's mean, like all tannin. It's all wood. But, but sometimes, thankfully, the, you know, this whole idea of wood management of, you know, tracking barrels, how many times they've been used, what they held before is where also, you keep them in the warehouse. You, exactly. I mean, stuff. this is all a modern idea. Yeah. And, you know, some of the ones that are aging 20, 30, 40 years, it's kind of a lot of surprises because. Maybe it's a third fill or a fourth fill, which means that the wood has has less to give to the whiskey, yeah. so they're light and beautiful. And occasionally, younger. you know, so, I mean, but those are usually pretty. They're yeah. pretty much anomalies. <laughs> now, I mean, in my in my experience of being like uh, tasting uh, and, and judging spirits contests, I've tasted, over a, the few years, I've just, tasted a few whiskeys. I tasted a few whiskeys. Just a few. Just a few. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think for me, the sweet spot between for Scotch whiskey is between like. Maybe ten and sixteen years, yeah, up to eighteen, yeah. maybe. Uh, and for for American whiskeys, it's between uh, six and ten years, you know. But yeah. then there are the few ones that just yeah. have been kept like in just such a way that they can live beyond that. Yeah. But for the most part, you're you're kind of on get the ice is getting pretty thin. Yeah. The farther out you get from that, and what people don't understand is that what you're paying for is you know every year. The distillery is paying taxes, right? Yep. I mean, back in the day, taxes, you know, as we've talked about before, you know, we could have called this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, Death Money Taxes, and that's yeah. the distillery. <laughs> that's, that's you know the I mean? distillery Unfortunately, business. that name was already taken. Yeah. But, like, you know, taxes really shapes um, the spirits industry, so yeah. much so that we had people who were literally reveners living on the grounds of the distillery. Yeah. But now, I mean, obviously, you know, you're paying taxes. There's the angel share, which means every year a little bit of the, the whiskey evaporates. You know, and, and, is, and I mean, that's cumulative. So right. So every uh, year, I mean, that's five, six yeah. percent. So the longer you wait, the more taxes you paid, the less whiskey you have. And, you know, you're paying for warehousing everything I mean, else. So it's if you've got a barrel of whiskey that's 25 years in the barrel. Right. Right. Uh, there might be uh, you, you put 55 gallons in when you started. Right. Or, or 50 give or take, whatever. Yeah, 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 let's say we're using an old bourbon barrel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever, whatever it is, our hogshead, you know, and yeah. you, you put, you put that in and then you put it in the warehouse. And if you leave it there and take it out after 25 years, you might, if you're lucky, have 12 gallons. Right. You know, give or take. Yeah. I give mean, or take. It, yeah. I, I mean, mean you're, you're, then that's, that's like if you're lucky. And you think about, you know, okay. So even if you're willing to do that, yeah. you realize that the rest of the barrel is now air. Yeah, and taxes. <laughs> and taxes. <laughs> because you got right. charged on that every yes, year. <laughs> that's true. And the air obviously, you know, affects the whiskey too. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's a reaction that's going on there. I mean, it's not going bad. It's just changing. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's not just extracting from yeah. wood. It's also uh, the molecules are breaking down and reforming, and exactly. that's what makes whiskey delicious right. is the transformation. You know, it's not just I mean, extracting tannins, which is what speed aging does. 
Look, I mean, the, the, the word whiskey is the bastardization of the Gaelic Ishkabaha, right? Mm-hmm. The water of life. And, you know, the original distillers were alchemists and then priests, I guess. Um, but the whole idea was that alchemists were looking for water of life and they knew mm-hmm. that alcohol had certain properties, right? Preservative yeah, yeah. obviously is not the water of life is for us anyway, a water of life. Um, maybe it's for us, pretty it's pretty close. It's <laughs> the water. But, you know, I mean, you know, we live I'm, in uh, tough times. Yeah. Noah. <laughs> take what we can get. We live get. in challenging yeah, times. Well, take uh, what we can get. Some things are keeping me going. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I think that there's still a very magical quality about scotch and, and you know, oh, I've yeah. tasted sequential barrels, you know, barrels have been filled the same day, same type of barrel. Mm-hmm. Same spirit, literally filled one right after another, and they all have barcodes, and you know, so you yeah. can see, and four different, totally, yeah, completely two, different whiskeys, which is amazing. I mean, they yeah. sat next to each other for ten, twelve, fourteen years. Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. it's and they are completely different, and that's sort of the wonderful thing about I, it. I mean, once you close it in the barrel, there's a whole life that goes on in there. Oh yeah, in the barrel, and then it's really cut. People still don't know exactly what's <laughs> happening. I mean, even though, you know, scientists right. have been studying this for a long time and it's just so complicated because it's, it takes place over so many years. Exactly. And it's a slow, slow things are very hard to observe. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's like, like you, you, on the molecular level. Yeah, yeah. Because, because things are slowly breaking right. down and recombining and right. swimming around in there. The air is affecting things. The, the wood is affecting <laughs> things. At the end with Scotch whiskey, you end up with something that started out very floral exactly. and uh, and bright and ends up just rich and fruity yeah. and Deep. like yeah. you get you get all these you know tastes of like apples and pears yeah, and baking spice and, and honey comes yeah. out that wasn't present right and it's amazing and it all comes from or, barley or even you know, <laughs> tropical fruit yeah. sometimes yeah. crazy stuff yeah it tastes like mango well, <laughs> where's that coming from I didn't put any mango Absolutely in there true. I put it's barley like one of those in there you're like. What I mean, yeah. like mango, but it actually I've had some where they actually do taste like yeah. mango. Yeah. In our modern society, we prize all these single barrels, right? You know, yeah. the one-offs, right? right. This is like right. the holy grail. But as I always say, like I could pick amazing one-offs, right? Yeah. Like just you know, yeah. let Dave and I wander yeah. around your warehouse with a. But we're also going to reject a whole lot right. of them too, right? But with a drill and a <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. a big you know a dipper, we'll yeah. find amazing barrels, right? Yeah. But the idea that some of the blenders who make the blends or even the single malts, that they produce very similar product year in and year out for the that blends. That is a miracle. I've talked to many blenders about this, how they make their blends, and I get it, mm-hmm. but I don't get it. Like, yeah. it's, it blows my mind that I mean, they're I've, able I've to do that. I've made it at home or – or in, during tastings, plenty of great blends. Sure. It's easy to do. Right. do it's, it's easy to make right. one. Sure. One. That's what I'm saying. I could do yeah, a one-off. That yeah, yeah. Easy, If anybody easy, out easy. there wants Dave and I to do a one-off, we can do that. Yeah, but we'll like, make you a beautiful blend. Like We'll never be able to make it again. Four million cases? I have no, <laughs> no idea, idea how they do that. No but, idea. You know, but yeah. that's the magic of scotch. And that's, yeah. I think, another myth where people think it's – you know, the hard thing is to find the one unicorns where, in fact, it's, you know. Uh, it's to get a consistent, product year tasty in year product out. that you can identify, you know. Exactly. I mean, the fact that you can sit down and go, oh, that's a doers or that's a whatever. You know, that's. that's That is hard. That's I mean, hard. The last myth that I think is one of the funniest ones to me and to you mm-hmm. is that we think everybody in Scotland is very, very serious about drinking scotch where, no. in fact, a, most people in Scotland drink blends. Like yeah. The biggest yeah, yeah. best-selling brands in Scotland are blends, which we don't in America deign to drink you. Right. <laughs> it's hilarious because we're trying to be authentic, but people in Scotland. I mean. And they're mixing it with, you know, I mean, ice is still not a big thing in Scotland, but they're mixing it with water. They're mixing it with all types of. 
uh, they're like mixing sodas, it with, like with, club with soda, fast, right? And and all types of crazy iron brew right, and whatever they want to mix. All the, you know, all these care. weird, you know, yeah. Scottish yeah. sodas and and you know what? They enjoy it, and that's yeah. I think that's, that's the, the point. You know, it, it's not. It shouldn't be work. It should be enjoyable. You know, drink. You know, people say, "What scotch should I drink?" Well, the one that you like. Yeah, <laughs> one that you don't worry find about enjoyable. It. If you don't like it, if it feels like work. Then, give, then give it, then give the bottle to yeah. somebody else and try a different because God knows. Or, or save it until you're out hiking, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe. because it might, you might like it then. Right, maybe it's true or when, different, when, right? Different uh, when you're wet and freezing right, exactly. and uh, tailgating. Yeah. Uh, you you're know, miserable and out, you know, yeah. uh, but it, but that's the thing that there's so many different scotches these days. Mm-hmm. And I think people, if anything, we need to like be more open to all the different possibilities. It's a lovely spirit with, with, uh, I drink, I drink a lot of scotch on ice, you yeah. know, and I, because I don't care uh, right. because it's delicious. Yeah. I travel a lot as yeah. do you and on airplanes. That's my go to yeah. drink is give me a scotch. If I can get a double, I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Pour it on the ice and I'm just going to sit yeah. there and nurse it, you know, and, if and, I, and, and, it's, and or if I can get a, you know, can of club soda with yeah, that and make up my too. own highball, that's, that's fine. That too. is a delicious drink yep. that, uh, yep. which is nice for an airplane because it lasts yeah. a long time and you're yeah. not. Yeah. It's not too and, high in proof. So what's the problem with that? Right. You know, uh, but you, you see people rolling their eyes or turning up their noses right. like, you know, so, so from stay out of my out, drinking. You have our permission yeah. to add ice club soda. Right. I don't know about some of the Scottish sodas that's on you, but you know, if you like it, go for it, you yeah. know, and, and I think we don't uh, care. We don't care. We'll, uh, as long as we don't, we'll, think- we'll gladly toast you. <laughs> we'll toast you. <laughs> well, cheers, Dave. Cheers, Noah. <laughs> And of course, Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. 